Welcome to the Duke and Duchess podcast. Welcome back. Bonus edition. Woohoo! So welcome to the Duke and Duchess podcast. And today, in this special podcast episode, this extra bonus content that we are giving you, we have some really huge news. Well, not really that huge, but we did finally watch the Ready Player One movie. It only took how many months? A, a lot of them. More of them than it should have. We don't get to watch a lot of movies, people. No. <laughs> so, for those of you who are coming on board here or just seeing this, particularly if you've caught onto the podcast recently, way back between episode 13 and 14, we did a bonus episode on Ready Player One. We read the novel. We talked about the novel. This was several months before the movie came out. We had this great plan that we were going to see the movie Right when it hit the theaters, we were going to get out of the house, go out together, be on top of it. That did not happen. We have four kids. So, (laughs) you know, plans sometimes go awry. So, but we did finally, way behind the curve, we did finally get to see the movie. And so we just wanted to bring you, we wanted to close the loop, bring you in and talk a little bit about what our experience was with with the movie, uh, whether we liked it, whether we thought it was gobshite. uh, Spoiler, we didn't. No, we did not think it was gobshite. All right, so on a scale of one to five, back to the future DeLoreans, (laughs) how many DeLoreans do you give the Ready Player One movie? The movie, you know, I'd have to go with a solid... Three DeLoreans, three and a half, if half DeLoreans are possible. Don't know if a half a DeLorean would still run. Maybe a convertible DeLorean. (laughs) It was a solid movie. I liked it. I don't regret seeing it. There were things about it I thought were done really well that I liked. Some I didn't, but I don't see myself. I'm not really wanting to see it again or take all my friends to see it or anything like that. But it was solid. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly my opinion. I I was vacillating between three or four. It's a good, like, fun popcorn movie. Yes. Not, like, amazing sci-fi that I'm going to go back and watch over and over again. I agree. And and I I definitely want to get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty and the differences between the movie and the book. But I think, for me, overall, the movie didn't have the book's heart. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's fair. My take on it was that I feel like Spielberg had to make a decision as to what type of movie he was going to have. And he only had, you know, a little over 2 hours to put all this together and book adaptations are all already problematic. And so he could have st- told a story about a gritty sci-fi future where the virtual world, you know, is ruining the real world. He, he could have told an in-depth story about characters and, you know, uh, he could have told a love story between Parzival and Artemis, but he didn't. He told, 
he chose to tell the simple good versus evil, bad guy, good guy, lots of cool special effects, lots of fan service story. And if you look at it for that, then I thought it succeeded. You know, I thought it was good. It was fun. Like you said, I'm not really going to watch it again. It's not going to stand up to the test of time, but I enjoyed it for what it was for. If you, but you can't then evaluate it on the basis of sci-fi and sort of its contribution to the zeitgeist. You, you just can't really look at it that way because we got a popcorn flick. I agree. Uh, again, I'll read this book over and over. I, I really like this book. I recommend it to people. And I understand why a lot of the changes happened, but the movie didn't have the thing that the book had that that made me connect on an emotional level to the characters, to the story. And I, I'm not sure quite what that thing is. Well, I do, but I, we'll, we'll get into it later. But yeah, I think I think we overall are in agreement about our overall assessment. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what did you like about the movie? What did you dislike? What are your kind of main points? So I think as an adaptation, and as we said, you know, given what what Spielberg was shooting for, I think it succeeds. You know, there were definitely parts that I really wanted to see. So for instance, I really wanted to see the Tomb of Horrors part. That was one of yeah. my favorite parts of the novel. It's something that really resonated with me as a, as when I was young, as a teenager. So for all of that and the nostalgia, that was the one that was kind of important to me, and I really wanted to see it. And, you know, we didn't get to see it. It was replaced by the race at the beginning. But I kind I can't be upset about it because I, I liked the race. I thought it was cool. And I thought it made more sense for a movie as much as I would have personally enjoyed the fan service. I thought it made more sense for the movie to do the race. I thought that made sense. So I think what they did overall in terms of the adaptation I thought was pretty good. I loved, loved all the stuff with The Shining. That was my favorite part of the movie. All the um, all kind of the nods back to The Shining, and I really enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. I, I did have to spend a little bit of time with our hand over our seven-year-old's eyes during that part. Well, we let a seven-year-old watch that movie. <laughs> we so. did. So there was a good 10 Don't minutes. Don't judge us. <laughs> She's not like most seven-year-olds. She's really not. We, we, uh, yeah, we did cover her face for a good 10 minutes there, but <laughs> other than that, everything was great. I also, I loved, um, you know, there was a lot of cool fan nods, you know, Gundam versus Mechagodzilla was really cool. Mm -hmm. I loved the Chucky scene. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought that was really cool. Um, so, there, so there was a lot of cool stuff that I enjoyed. There were definitely some parts that I didn't like either. I don't think they did a great job of setting Wade up overall. Like, I, I just don't think they told you enough about why he was supposed to be or why he was so good at the game and hunting and finding the Easter eggs. They never really told you why. And so the end result was that you were left with like him being the, the supposed best amongst all of his friends and, but no reason to distinguish him. And it made it sort of feel like it made him feel sort of like an undeserved Messiah I agree. You know, the, the film hints at 
how much time he spends. I think when he, you know, he walks into the Hall of Records place or whatever and the, and the curator is like, oh, you, you're always here. But that's the only real hint we have at, as to how much time Wade has put into his quest. Yeah. And in the book, that's very clear. I mean, you are... There is no doubt that this is a quest that's taken up his entire life. He has no life outside of this. Mm-hmm. And that's what it does make it feel earned when he's the one who is succeeding. Yeah. And then I think that really plays out, especially when you look at the relationship between him and Artemis. They also didn't do a great job of highlighting why he was so into Artemis. She just shows up and his tongue falls out of his mouth. And he makes a comment that he's read all of her walkthroughs, but that's it. That Like, that's all you really get. So then he just completely falls for her. The relationship, you know, it rolls into the relationship and the relationship does not feel genuine. In the beginning, I kind of liked it because they were starting to talk and she's like, you don't even know me, you know, which happens in the book. But then like the very next conversation is like, I love you. Nobody deserves this more than you. And I'm like, what? Where did this come from? You know, I don't feel like this relationship is earned and I don't feel like his deserving it is earned, you know? And then, I think that kind of rolls into another thing that's problematic for me, and that is that I think there's a problem with an underrepresentation of the roles of the people in the film who are the people of color and the women. You got like a bunch of white dudes who are either the villain or the protagonist, and then you have all everybody else who's around them, you know, women and people of color, but you've just sort of got this white guy who's like, he deserves it, but they don't just, there's no justification for why, you know? And it like, why would H seem to have more skills than he did? So why wouldn't H deserve it just as much? Well, and I will say that, that the book does, that almost even a little bit more, you know, the, the movie has more of an ensemble feel than the book even does in the, in the book. It's definitely Wade is the, the star of the show. He's the one who does things first. He's, you know, um, and and some of his exploits are given to other characters in the movie. True. But I would agree with your main point, which is that we don't get why, why Wade is so good at what he does. There's not enough backstory there for us to understand that. Well, yeah, and I think I think it just seems sort of uncomfortable to me when it's like, you know, the only thing, the only thing that this guy seems to have is he's he's a good-looking white dude, and therefore he is the chosen one. Like, it's just sort of an uncomfortable thing that I can't really uh, like. I'm I I read a bunch of reviews. And it seems like I'm the only one. I didn't see anybody else who had a problem with it. So maybe I'm way overthinking it. I, I don't know what to tell you. That wasn't one of my main problems that I had. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, it was still a good movie. It was still enjoyable. Those couple of things I felt like were problematic. Um, one other thing that's sort of a quibble 
is I don't think they did a good job of showing sort of the dysfunction of the real world. Like the stacks didn't look nearly like I pictured them. They're way too tidy and put together. Yes. In the book, the trailer that Wade lives in with his aunt has like eight other people living in it. It's like a whole family lives in the living room and Wade has the laundry room. I mean, it's like, and you know, in, in the movie, it's just his aunt and the aunt's boyfriend. And the, and the only dysfunction is that, Oh, the boyfriend doesn't like him. Yeah. And it definitely is toned down from what's in the book. And, it lessens the the impact of what they end up trying to do with taking down this corporation mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And you have the scenes towards the end where everyone's sort of fighting uh, and you see these people in the streets and they have their headsets on and it's like people are kung fu fighting in the streets. And it's almost played like for comedic effect. You know, all the random scenes with people like losing their stuff and tripping over the, the coffee table not like for the sadness that it is that the only thing these in these people's lives are imaginary. No, it's for sure does not have the the grim undertones that the book has when it comes to the real world. Well, let's dig in for a minute to some of the ways that the movie differed from the book. Let's do that. Some of those I thought were done well and with a purpose and some I kind of had a problem with. So I kind of have a top three. All right, sweet. I'm going to start with things that I disliked, changes that I disliked because I like to end on a positive note. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I would give this movie three and a half DeLorean. So we're going to end positive. Um, So number three, and it's a quibble, but it's a big quibble for me. Why? Why was Artemis a skinny chick? Why did she have to be played? And I remember when I was hearing about this movie, I the first thing I thought was, they better not make Artemis a skinny chick. <laughs> and damn it, they did. Why? Yeah. I think that's a pretty big quibble. I think that's a pretty big point. I mean, you know, for me, it, it's cool to see women with different body types within the normal range even represented. Even in books, it, do, it doesn't happen that much. And for me, the fact that Artemis wasn't out there strutting around like a supermodel, and in fact, like it's it's explicitly said in the book that everywhere in the Oasis, uh, there's one or, one of two body types, either the supermodel or like the porn star body type, and that mm-hmm. she her body looked like real. Yeah. And towards the end of the book, Wade, you know, when he's in IOI and he pulls up her personnel file, mm-hmm. it tells us her height and weight. You know, and it, it says that she's a uh, five seven, one hundred sixty eight pounds. So she's. It's like yes, this is not. This is a thick, like athletic chick. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. And so to just take that away, kind of for what reason? Like there, there aren't any like thick athletic actresses out there that could have played this part. Of course there are. Uh, you know why? Like why? Why do that? Other yeah. than just just laziness or not i I don't know i don't know why well just hollywood i mean piss me off well even wade they had to pretty up yeah i mean wade is not supposed to be yeah it i mean he has the classic you know in the all the 80s comedic movies you know they would have a a girl who was obviously super hot but they would put glasses Glasses. on her (laughs) and he did yeah and that's exactly what they did i mean he looks like (laughs) i mean the the actor i forget the actor's name but he looks like 
the statue of David, like the typical Greek features. He's a handsome dude, but they put glasses on him. Let his hair be Obviously, a little shaggy. He's homely. He's now homely. Like, <laughs> but I think that's just Hollywood. Like, I yeah, don't. Yeah, gotta shave all the men. I don't know what. All yeah. the chicks gotta be skinny. Why Hollywood? You can't. You can't be even average looking. If you're average looking, you're not in Hollywood. If you're ugly, you're a villain. So. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. It's the way it is. So that's my that's my that's one of my quibbles. I would say number two um, of changes that I disliked. I did not like the over CGI'd characters when the characters went, were in the Oasis. In the book, it's described. It describes their avatars, and they're they're not like they don't have stripes or spots or anything like that. And for me, that was distracting from. Yeah. What I, I was looking yeah. for, especially H, having him like be a weird half robot guy and the the heavily distorted voice, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. That really robbed me of a lot of the the moments um, that he, that he had with him. So I didn't did not care for that. I thought I agree with you. I I remember when they first sort of went into the Oasis, looking at the avatars and thinking, I wish they weren't so sort of obviously CGI, but. I got over it pretty quick. Like it didn't like it, it took me a minute or two to adjust and then I was done. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it, it didn't make me not be able to like or enjoy the movie, but it detracted overall in my opinion. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know, have done that. I know it, it would have been difficult though, because they do talk about how characters have, you know, the absurdly big eyes or people do these weird things in the Oasis. So I think it would have been difficult to avoid. I mean, people do, but it's pretty, they they describe in the book what their avatars all look like. And again, Wade talks about what he likes so much about Artemis, what draws him to her is that her avatar just looks like, it looks like her, you know, it looks like a normal person. And then when he meets her, obviously in real life, and it's exactly what she looks like. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I didn't, didn't care for that so much. And then the third thing, the main thing that I think um, did not survive the translation for me was overall, the relationships between the characters were really kind of treated like a sidebar, you know? And again, that's a, that's a decision as to what kind of movie are we telling? And this was like you said, a popcorn and action flick. But for me, one of the things the book does really well is like build these relationships between these characters in order to explore the nature of online relationships and, you know, these friendships that they build. And, you know, you see Shido and Dido who like become brothers, but they never met in real life. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's such a timely theme and it's explored so well in the book. So I was disappointed, pointed to see the relationships get such a short shrift you know and it's not as though you can't have a popcorn flick that doesn't have good relationships between the characters there's thousands of them right i mean you know the the interactions all felt kind of rushed and i would have rather had a shorter 
crash bang chase scene and get to have a little bit more dialogue and a little bit more meat to those you know um like you said he he meets artemis and then like it's like oh come back to my friend's house and then it's it it goes really fast and in the book we've got these like months and months of cutesy little emails sent back and forth and it just builds them up as friends and as a couple and his relationship with h i was disappointed when we when we meet h face to face it was really rushed and it was in the middle of this this crazy action scene you know and like the the pace i understand the decision to not have the break between kind of the second and third acts that the book yeah. does mm-hmm. um cuz how does that translate to a movie how do you keep the momentum going mm-hmm. but at the same time to have that really important reveal happen basically like between a fight scene and a car chase and just be kind of like oh yeah look at me i'm a chick come on get in my van you completely (laughs) rob that yeah yeah it loses its emotional impact Mm -hmm. you know one of the my favorite scenes of the book is when uh you know parzival knows that h is outside in the van he's like scared to go in because this is his best friend he's about to meet for real life in the for the first time and he's like walking slowly and he's like just the tension is building and then he yeah. gets in it's a chick yeah it's such a great scene it is and I, you, yeah. just, you don't get that in the movie no it really does rob that that's for sure i'm gonna i'm gonna add one to your list i feel like they sort of in part because of the relationships in part because of what you said but they really rob some of the human stakes out of it in two ways one the explosion at the stacks was way underwhelming. Yeah, I agree. Like in the book, like it was massive, not like it collapsed and four people died. Like it was a, they heartlessly destroyed hundreds of people just because they thought they would get this guy. And then also, there's there's no, I forget if it's Dido or Shido. I think it was Shido who dies in the book. It's Dido. It's Dido. Okay. And that really ramps the stakes up for you. And you're like, oh my God, like this is what's happening in the real world. And they took that away. You know, and why would they take that away? It also makes the villain who, even in the book, the villain's a little cartoonish, but it, it makes him even more cartoonish because now he's basically toothless as well. I agree. I feel that what made IOI so chilling in the book was how easily you could see it happening in the real world. You know, in the movie, the the indentured, the indenturement program that they had mm-hmm. was like over the top. Like I think in the book, you know, Wade goes in, he, he sends himself in and he gets himself arrested for debt and he goes in and he's basically has to sit at like a help desk all day and answer questions. Yeah. Um, and then he gets this little tiny cubicle and, and it's, it's horrible, but it's like, you could almost see like that happening Yeah. in the movie. It's like, they're literally being tortured. They're being, yeah. sh- I mean, it's, they're, they're moving crates in a hellscape. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's, it's not as realistic and it mm-hmm. becomes less frightening in that sense because again, again, you talked a little bit about how they didn't really get into how, what a messed up place the world is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. So stuff I liked though, 
Chucky. Because there's definitely stuff I liked. Chucky was cool. <laughs> I mean, the action scenes were were well done. You know, definitely built that tension toward the end. I liked Artemis being the one to infiltrate IOI. That was a good change. That was kind of cool. You know, in the book, it is like the Wade show. It's kind of like he does everything. He's the point. He's the only point of view character. Mm-hmm. And you don't mind again because you do see him earning it. But I thought it was cool to see more of an ensemble effort in the movie. Have her be the one to go in and um, kind of open the door for everyone else to be able to get into the castle. Yeah, I like that. Uh, number two on my list was that Dido got to live. <laughs> because I like that. No. For me, I was like... wrong, wrong, wrong. I was like, oh, I was waiting for that part in the movie. I was like, oh, I don't want it to happen. And then it didn't. I was like, yay. The body part, the body count is way too low. But again, for me, I guess because those characters, because the relationships weren't as important in the movie... I don't know what it would have added. You know, it was kind of like they didn't show him meeting um, Shido and Dido. They didn't show like how yeah they were just always there. It was yeah. for these these Gunters who were sworn to work alone to all of a sudden kind of start opening up to each other. You know, in the book when when Shido comes and meets with Wade and tells him what happened to Dido and tells him his real name for the first time, it's like this beautifully. Um, vulnerable, sad moment, but yeah. it wouldn't have translated. I mean, unless they made this a different kind of movie or well, made it three hours long. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. They made a decision that they weren't going to go dark and gritty. So therefore, I, I agree with you. It, given that decision, I don't think the Dido dying would have played very well. And so number one for me, overall, I think the adaptation was good as far as ways that they were able to portray the race and the quest and you know at first the race came up and I was like I was disappointed too I was like what this isn't like the book but then I was like no the book is really him like reading these journal (laughs) entries for days and days and days sitting staring at a screen watching a movie for days it that would not have translated so you know making the almanac the hall that hall of records where he could go and watch moments from Halliday's life. That was really clever. A lot of just clever twists. I liked having um, Og be the um, curator. Yeah, that at was, the end. I liked that. That was well At the done. end, I was like, wait a minute, what about Og stepping in? And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, in a movie that would really come across as, you know, deus ex machina. And oh, of course, that just makes it too easy. So having him be the curator that gave him the coin, that that's pretty cool. And Mark Rylance as Halliday just nailed it. Yeah, he did a nailed good, it. He did a good holiday. I that's loved for his sure. portrayal. I feel like in the book, you know, there's so much hero worship of him, and it mentions that he's awkward and that he probably they think he had some kind of high functioning Aspergers or whatever. But I just thought his his portrayal of that character was really the only thing that made me feel anything in the movie. You know, particularly the scene at the end um, with him and Parzival and their in his childhood bedroom. Yeah. And, you know, and he says, are you an avatar? And he says, no. And I was like, I got all the feels. I got all the feels there. (laughs) That was the only time that I got like emotions during the movie. But um, I thought he just did a fantastic job. Boom. Boom. That's my analysis. So as fan service goes, it was enjoyable. I would agree. It was outstanding nerd masturbation. I would agree. 
Not really anything beyond that, though. But that's why we have books. That's okay. And, you know, I thought it was kind of cool, too. There were a couple of, you know, in the book, it's pretty much all 80s references, technology, game, you know. And they talk about how 80s culture is all of a sudden became very popular because of this game. But in the movie, there were little things thrown in that like our kids recognized. Like in the final battle, some of the soldiers were like. Oh, from Halo. From Halo and, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So the kids were like, oh, look at that. Look at that. So there was some stuff for not old people. (laughs) Which, yeah, again, I think you kind of have to do in a movie. And there's no reason not to. Right. So, all right. Well, that was it. That was our special bonus content, extra content. And uh, we enjoyed Ready Player One. If it sounded like we bitched about it a lot, it's because we have to fill up time. And also we're bitches. That too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good enough. Good night, everybody. Good night.